The following program is being brought to you on the Seventh Wave Network. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit SeventhWaveNetwork.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit VoiceAmerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the hosts or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Good afternoon, and welcome to Authentic Living with Andrea Matthews. Over the next hour, you'll learn how to see your true self in the midst of life's twists and turns. You'll be challenged to think outside of the box when it comes to the mysteries of life. Now, here's your host, Andrea Matthews. Good afternoon, and welcome to Authentic Living. Have you ever wondered how powerful you really are? Today, we're going to be talking to Nannies Ellis, NLP practitioner, radio show host, speaker and author of five books, including The Infinite Power of You, Even Gandhi Got Hungry and Buddha Got Mad, 30-Day Gratitude Journal, Lip Prints, How to Be the Change You Want to See in the World, as well as the inspirational photo album, What If, and her latest book, I Am, A Book of Awakening. Nanise has come to understand that only in the face of fear do we find courage, and only when we feel truly lost can we find our way home. According to Nanise, we are living in a great time of awakening. Life is moving us fast towards some cosmic shift which will change the way in which life herself operates. There's a great source speaking to you now behind every thought you think and every feeling you sense. This great source is directing you to the infinite discovery of who you really are. And who you really are is the topic of our discussion with Nanise today. Nanise, thank you so much for taking of your time and energy to talk with our listeners today. Thank you, Andrew. I'm really excited about this conversation. Me too. Me too. Well, your latest book is very intriguing to me. I want to hear about I Am. How did you come to write that title, and what does that mean, a book of awakening that has to do with I Am? Yes. Well, since the first thought I could think, I remember, I wondered, you know, who am I? You know, who, who am I really? And that thought, that question has plagued me through my whole lifetime, and my human mind has always answered that, you know, I'm a daughter and, and I'm an actress at one point and I'm a mother and I'm a speaker and, you know, all these, these roles. And somehow I knew that wasn't what it was. And I got to a certain point in my own spiritual development where the answer was, well, I'm a, I'm a spiritual divine being or a, a child of some divine unlimited absolute force. And still, it wasn't quite hitting. It wasn't quite resonating with me. You know, it's kind of like you, you know when, you, when you've got it and you know when you don't. Right. And so this past, this um, last January, January of 2009, one night I was laying in my bed and, and I was listening to some beautiful music by Sting and I feel the dreams. It was the song. And I was watching this, these pictures on my laptop and it was from this, uh, this photo site called Blasphemy. It's an amazing collection of photos. And the same thought popped into my head, and the thought was, who am I? Who am I really? But this time, instead of waiting for my mind, my mental mind, to answer the question, I went further. And the answer that came to me was 
life-changing. It was transformational. What happened was I heard a voice then inside myself saying, I am that. And so every picture that I saw before me, every picture that, that was flashing before me one after another every few seconds, I kept saying over and over, I am that, and I am that too, and I am that. And it started out as just, you know, an affirmation process, and at some point I really got it, and I realized that whatever I was looking at, I really was that. So if I was looking at a beautiful mountaintop, I was that. If I was looking at a flower, the universe, another person, I was that. And it started to move into myself. And this realization started to occur within me. And then I started to understand that not only was I the beautiful mountain top or the, the loving child or the loving mother or the kind look, but I was also all those things that I had feared and hated and judged for, for lifetimes. And I realized that as much as I was you know, the victim in a concentration camp, I was also Hitler and his army. And as this process was moving through me, which lasted a little over two days and two nights, without sleep, I should mention, I was able to journal it. So the I Am book, it's my own personal journey of awakening to a whole new level of consciousness and understanding. So it's not just words on a page. It's my experience of awakening into the knowing that I am all that I see and I am all that I perceive without doubt, without hesitation, and without conditions. And that has totally transformed how I live my life and how I relate to this thing I called myself. So you're saying that you are your external as well as your internal sense of life. Mm-hmm. Yes, yes, that there really, I mean, quantum physics tells us this now, that there really is no difference, that we're, we're connected to everyone and everything. And when we understand um, spiritual principles, it tells us that not only are we connected, but we are also that, that there's nothing that we're not. But instead of just um, a concept in my head, I had the true experience of it and continue to live that every day. <laughs> right, right. So, okay, so if, if uh, our listeners are, are taking this in, what this means is that you know, if we use the words as one, we use it, we talk about we are all one. I mean, poets and, and philosophers have been talking about that for centuries. We talk about as one, but what you're saying is it's not just as one, it is one. Yes. Okay. It is one. Right. Yes. How can something be as one without being one? Absolutely. Absolutely. <laughs> I think our language is so limited when it comes to discussing yes. these things. It, we, we, we have uh, thought in linear terms for so many centuries that it's really hard for us to think in mm-hmm. these other terms of being beyond ourselves and in ourselves at the same time. Right, exactly. I, th- I think it's hard for our human minds to conceive that we're one. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It, it doesn't make sense because we're looking through these pair of eyes and we're feeling through this heart and we're walking through life with these two legs and these two feet. So it's hard to perceive that, well, how can I be one with somebody around the world that I haven't even met or maybe never will? Right, right. So, okay, this new awareness came to you sometime this year, and and prior to that you'd written a book called Even Gandhi Got Hungry and Buddha mm-hmm. Got Mad. So yeah. how does this apply to that? Do we, we as in becoming aware of who you are, do we drop the hunger and the anger? Mm. You know, the Gandhi, Gandhi got hungry and Buddha got mad was response to the what, what I would call um, 
spiritual confusion. And a lot of people on, on this path that we call the spiritual path think that they have to be a certain way, act a certain way, and there's, you know, a certain spiritual behavior and some spiritual feelings. And that's really not true. You can't help but be spiritual. There's nothing that you can do or not do that will make you any less spiritual. You're a spiritual being. You're a spiritual being having a, a human and sometimes very human experience. Even Gandhi got hungry and Buddha got mad is, is about that experience, about embracing the experience of life. So certainly we can choose, you know, if we're on spiritual path, certainly we can choose you know, what we would call the high road and maybe go into the mountains and, you know, meditate for the rest of our lives. But that's not really the experience of life. I believe that we came into this body and we came into these lives in order to have an experience. And through that experience, not only do we discover ourselves and who we really are, but we discover something greater than ourselves through the experience of ourselves, not despite it. Right. right. And so getting to this place of, you know, taking a concept of, yes, I am one, I am everything, and and experiencing this oneness, because that's really what what the I am experience and writing of the book was for me, it doesn't doesn't change anything from Gandhi got hungry, Buddha got mad. In fact, it it enhances that because it's, it's it's a greater acceptance of what is. When I wrote Even Gandhi Got Hungry and Buddha Got Mad, I was coming from this place of, yes, it's life. You know, we're here to live. And, and, and everything that we reject or resist, we're really rejecting and resisting a part of ourselves. We're cutting off a part of ourselves, and they're cutting off a part of our spirituality. And so if you can accept all of yourself and love all yourself, warts and all, you know, whether you're having a good day, a bad day, whether you're the kindest person in the world or, you know, not so nice that day, if you can accept and embrace all of you and still unconditionally love all of you and not have your worth based on actions that you may or may not partake in the world, then you are elevated to a greater sense of knowing who you are. And I am just slips further into that. I'm everything. So it's not only like about me, whether, you know, I'm acceptable or not acceptable according to certain standards for the day. It's about the world. It's about no longer judging the world as acceptable or not acceptable if it's doing what you want it to do or if it's not doing what you want to do, because you're that too. Yeah, right. So when you say that uh, uh, Gandhi got hungry and Buddha got mad, really that part of us it cannot be rejected. The angry, right. hungry part of us can't be rejected. It also has to be, there's an inclusiveness there, and we, it has to be loved as well. Right, right. It's, 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 all, it's all about inclusiveness. Mm-hmm. As soon as you reject any part of yourself, any part of yourself, you're rejecting all of yourself. The only way that you could really know who you really are is by including all of you, by accepting all of you. And then when we go beyond the concept of even Gandhi got hungry, Buddha got mad, into the concept of I am. Now this means that not only are you accepting all of you and including all of you, now you're accepting all of the world and including all of the world because it's you too. Right. So you already know before I ask this question that this is flies in the face of a lot of traditional thinking that says that there is evil out there and we have to, you know, stay away from it or put it away or and there's, you know... Um, there are things that we shouldn't do because if we do them, there when we're, then we're evil also. So speak to that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, certainly we can look in the world and we can see that there are things going on that we would consider less desirable or, you know, if you will, evil. 
And what, what does that mean? What does that, what does that mean? Well, when we look further enough and deep enough at anything, what we end up is with love. That even something that, that appears evil or acts out as evil, when we look deep enough, what we find is love. You know, evil, evil only happens out in the world because there's a sense of separation or a sense of unworthiness or a sense of wanting attention. And when you look deep enough about that, somebody who we would consider evil is really just only screaming out for love. And I know that's a hard concept for a lot of people to try on, but I really, truly have come to see that that is, that is a truth. You know, years ago I was working at a crisis center, and um, I, was, um, I was a domestic violence counselor, I was a suicide outreach counselor, and you, you name it. I, I, I did everything. I wore all the hats. And one day this young man came into the center, and he was about 18 years old, and um, he had been kicked out of his house, and he was in trouble with the law and all that. And the reason for that is because his family had just found out that he impregnated his 13-year-old sister. And the only reason that they found out is because she, it was an ectopic pregnancy and she ended up in the hospital. And so now I'm sitting across from somebody that mm, many people in the world would consider evil. This is a man who molested his younger sister, impregnated her, and she almost died because of this ectopic pregnancy. Okay, let me stop you right there. That's a good stopping point. We're going to stop right there and come back okay. right after the break. Great. Awakened Media for a Transforming World. Seventh Wave Network. I begin each day with an intention to be open to guidance, to expect guidance, to trust and appreciate when guidance comes. With these intentions, each day is easier to navigate. Hi, I'm Sonia Choquette. When I decided to trust my guidance and further my education, I chose the American Institute of Holistic Theology, A-I-H-T. with a soulful pathway to deep learning. In my own home, on my own schedule, I earn my Ph.D. in metaphysics. You know, the value of wisdom only grows, and in developing our own gifts, we can help others evolve, too. That's how it works. These self-paced programs in holistic health, metaphysics, holistic ministries, parapsychic science, and holistic theology can embolden your spirit to change the world. And the time has come for us all to do our part in changing the world. So in this moment, call the American Institute of Holistic Theology. The number is 1-800-650-4325. In this moment, visit A-I-H-T dot E-D-U. All my love. When I found out my jeans were made using child labor and sweatshops, I wrote a letter to the company saying, reconsider your labor practices. A few months later, I get a letter back saying, thanks for being a loyal customer, and they included a coupon for a 25% discount on their jeans. So I got smart, wrote letters every day to all the stores that carry the brand, asking them to stop supporting the companies who use child labor and sweatshops. And I just kept getting letters back, thanking me for my concerns, and more coupons for more discounts on more jeans. So I'm telling my friend about it, and she flips out, saying that between all the letters and coupons, some paper company cut down a small forest, driving off two indigenous tribes, hundreds of endangered animals, 
killing thousands of plant species, some of which may have contained vaccines for HIV, cancer, and syphilis. Meanwhile, the guys cutting down the trees are 13-year-old kids who work night and day for months just to save up enough money to buy a pair of jeans made by child labor in sweatshops. Saving the world isn't easy, but saving a life is. Just one pint of blood can save up to three lives. Visit bloodsaves.com to learn more. This public service announcement was brought to you by the Ad Council. Listening on a higher dimension. Seventh Wave Network. You're listening to Authentic Living with Andrea Matthews. We want to hear from you. If you have a question or comment about today's show, call in now, toll free, 1-866-472-5795. That's 1-866-472-5795. You can also send your questions or comments by email to Andrea at andreamatthewslpc.com. Now, back to Authentic Living with Andrea Matthews. And we're back. We left you hanging there in the middle of Nanny's story, and she she made a joke about it being a Jerry Springer moment there, so I think it might have been. But uh, we're going to start back in with where you were. You're sitting there talking to this guy who's molested his um, younger sister, impregnated her, and she almost died of an ectomic, ectomic yes. pregnancy. Yeah, and that was the only way the family even found out about it. So here they are in the hospital. They don't know what's going on with their, their you know, 13-year-old beautiful little girl, and they find out that she's pregnant, and you know, with further questioning, they found out that their son, their 18-year-old son, was the father of the baby, and it wasn't a very good situation, as, as you can imagine. Mm-hmm. They ended up kicking him out. He had nowhere to go, and that's why he ended up at our agency, because we were also a housing agency and a runaway hotline and all that. So I found myself sitting across from him, and he's telling me this story, and he's, and he's telling me all the details of how he molested his younger sister. And this went on for many, many years. And for many of us, and really, honestly, myself at that time, I would have considered something like this just awful, horrific, and, you know, if you will, evil even. How does, how does somebody do that to a child? Because it really had started, I think, if I remember correctly, when she was nine years old. So this was going on for many, many years. But I was in the role of, of counselor at that time. I was, I was there to listen to him. So in that moment, I was given the gift of having to release all my preconceived notions and all my judgments. And so when I sat down with him and I listened to him, I heard him in a way that I had never heard anyone before up until that point. And what I heard was, underneath it all, it wasn't about hurt it wasn't about wanting to do anything bad or wrong to his sister. That deep inside, it was really about his own pain, his own lack of value and self-worth. And what he was really screaming out for was to be loved. To be loved. And certainly, I would agree even today that there are better ways to ask for love. But you know what? So many of us have grown up in families and situations where we didn't learn how to ask for love. And the only way that we have ever gotten loved, or at least the illusion of love, is by acting out. And so when somebody does something bad or wrong or, or even evil, or they even like scream at you for no reason at all, maybe what they're really doing is just saying, hey, look, pay attention to me, I need love. 
And right after I had this experience, it changed my relationship with everybody because instead of just making a judgment about people and thinking them good or bad, I realized that deep within us, we're all the same. And I've, you know, in the last um, 12 years or so, I've, I've worked with people all over the world and uh, coaching, mentoring relationships and men, women from all countries. And what I've discovered is that when we look deep enough, we're all the same. And we're really love. We're really love. And so instead of responding to people like they're good, bad, wrong, evil, instead of responding that way, if we can respond from a place of love ourselves and respond with love, that changes everything. That shifts everything. Right. And in order to do that, we've got to be able to love those parts of ourselves that we consider to be reprehensible and evil. Yes. Yep. Yes. Because we certainly can't do it for somebody else if we can't do it for ourselves. If we're judging somebody else for doing anything, it's really because we're judging ourselves. Yep, yep, I agree. Couldn't agree more. Yeah. And, you know, this whole concept, I want to say something about this good-evil thing. Mm-hmm. You, you said that so well there. That whole idea is, is um, first, it's predicated on centuries-old thinking, but mm-hmm. second, it's also so much easier to just, lock something up in a little box and call it evil right. or lock something up in a little box and call it good, yes. pick it up on a shelf and say, okay, there's that. Now, I don't have to think about that anymore. That's just evil or that's just yeah. good. And and not process it on a deeper level, mm-hmm. which is where we grow. We grow on those deeper levels, and we don't grow when we put things on box, in boxes on shelves. Right. And, and, you know, the truth is there's no such thing as all good or all bad. We are all a combination of everything. There's a movie out there that's just an amazing movie about this, and it's called Crash. And um, I saw it many, many years ago, and actually plan to see it again very shortly. And so in the beginning of the movie, it's very easy to make judgments. Oh, that person's good, and that person's bad. And, and And as I was watching it many years ago, I found myself unconsciously doing that, make, oh, judging people. Oh, that's a good person. He did a good act. Oh, that's a bad person. He did a bad act. And as the movie goes on, all the people that I had judged as good did some really bad things, and all the people that I had judged as bad did some really good things. And then I got it. I got it that we are a combination of all these things. And when we can just embrace all of us and love all of us, what happens is there's no longer like that that, that black and the white. Now there's suddenly a connection and a movement between all parts of us and we get to find that harmonic balance so that we're not you know moving to the end of the spectrum where we're we're doing or saying or being in ways that are out of integrity with who we really want to be who we really are right absolutely said so well you know i think that um that whole concept is opening up that idea I, I love that movie too and have talked about it and watched it several times talked about it many times with friends about that whole concept mm-hmm. that crashing yeah. of the good and the evil there and that in that whole plot line is that they those two crash together yeah. and and as the story builds momentum what you're getting is a whole new look at yourself and life yeah. itself and so I, I think i recommend the movie to anyone who hasn't seen it go see it absolutely yeah. yeah, because that is uh, it, it's definitely one of those movies that is an awakening movie where you just begin to challenge old traditional mm-hmm. thinking. What is good? What is bad? Right. And who am I relative to that? And so many times that's the only way we measure ourselves mm-hmm. as I'm either good or I'm bad. You know, yeah. uh, I have people come into my office all the time who will say, you know, I'm, I'm a very caring person. 
But behind that caring, what you get is a whole bucket load of resentment. Right. Well, is that good or is it bad? Well, throw out good and bad and let's talk about the resentment, you know. Let's let's just get to the core. Let's get to the the heart. Let's Let's bring the feelings out and let people just express themselves and be real and stop trying to to hide resentment and and anger and loss and hurt underneath, you know, a, a, a facade or a false smile. Let's let's let get real and just be ourselves and find some safe places with each other and within ourselves to express what's really going on so that can be cleared and we can return to wholeness. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Absolutely. You know, I, I think I, I think that a lot of a lot of it is really conditioning, and yes, it's you know historical and and it moves through our DNA and all that. But I think there's a lot of systems in place, and they've been in place for for a very long time that actually create this dynamic. For, for example, our education system, our education system is a program of worthiness for the most part. Certainly, there are exceptions. If you look at a child before they start school, you don't have this 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 internal judgment. The child is free. They play. The world is a beautiful beautiful place. And of course there's exceptions if a child's been abused that certainly that, that looks different. Yeah. But for a child who's had excuse me, a relatively, you know, pleasant childhood, as soon as they go to school, that all changes because immediately they're they're taught certain principles of right and wrong. They're taught that they can either fail or succeed. They're taught that they're deserving or not deserving. They're taught failure and success. And within all of that is the larger paradigm of worthiness, being worthy or unworthy. And if they don't meet all these certain conditions, which are many and numerous and almost unpredictable at times, then not only are they not worthy, but their survival is threatened. And this is really what we graduate from school with. And we take that into our lives, and what you see is a whole community, a whole society, a whole world of adults who are suffering from worthiness issues that believe that if they don't meet certain conditions, that they're really not worthy, and their survival is threatened. And those same people need to take care of their survival. So so what we do in response to that is we are competitive, and we fight for what is ours, and we separate ourselves from others, and we take every opportunity to prove that we're worthy. But the problem is the only way to really prove Prove our worthiness is to prove others unworthy or less worthy, and this creates this dynamic of disharmony and war and competition and economic slavery and every other problem that we are now experiencing in this world. The true answer is when we go back deep into ourselves and find our own intrinsic worthiness, which can never, ever be dependent on anything, because as soon as you put your worthiness uh, dependent on anything external, you're not feeling worthiness because eventually that thing or things, they're going to disappear or you'll fear that they will. So you're always holding on and never really feeling whole and worthy. It's time that we reclaim our inner worthiness and stop making it dependent on what we can produce in the world. Absolutely. Very well said. And I kind of think of that as we all sort of stay in high school as we get out of uh, grammar school and into middle school uh, or whatever the system is, we get somewhere to high school, what happens is it evolves from, you know, sit down, shut up, and listen to me to a popularity contest, and that's where we stay stuck for the rest of our lives. Yes. And the competition has to do with that whole idea of I'm good and you're bad, and, you know, I'm in and you're out, and Mm -hmm. a we, a we, us, uh, I mean, a we, they mentality. Yes. So, yeah, and that keeps us split. It keeps us split off from that sense of ourselves that is the connection to our divine infinite power. 
the truth is, Andrea, I know that you know this because I hear you saying it, that when we go deep within ourselves and we go past the darkness and past all these things that we don't like and we just go deeper and deeper with the, within ourselves, what we find is the divine. What we find is unlimited love. What we find is who we really are, and who we really are is unconditionally loved by the absolutely all, the divine. Absolutely. So well said. Thank you so much. We're at the bottom of our hour, and we're going to be taking a break here, and we'll be back in just a moment with more Authentic Living with Nanny's Ellis. Awakened Media for a Transforming World. Seventh Wave Network. Dad, can I ask you something? Sure. There's this girl I kind of like. Say no more. You just have to impress her. Okay, but how? Just, I don't know, pick up a lot of heavy things around her. Like what? You know, desks, chairs, people. Grunt if you have to. Grunt? Yeah, be like, oh! Uh, 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 there you go. You don't have to be perfect to be a perfect parent. When you adopt a child from foster care, just being there makes all the difference. To learn more, call 1-888-200-4005. A public service announcement brought to you by Adopt US Kids, the U.S. Department of Health and Human Services, and the Ad Council. I begin each day with an intention to be open to guidance, to expect guidance, to trust and appreciate when guidance comes. With these intentions, each day is easier to navigate. Hi, I'm Sonia Choquette. When I decided to trust my guidance and further my education, I chose the American Institute of Holistic Theology, A-I-H-T. with a soulful pathway to deep learning. In my own home, on my own schedule, I earn my Ph.D. in metaphysics. You know, the value of wisdom only grows, and in developing our own gifts, we can help others evolve, too. That's how it works. These self-paced programs in holistic health, metaphysics, holistic ministries, parapsychic science, and holistic theology can embolden your spirit to change the world. And the time has come for us all to do our part in changing the world. So in this moment, call the American Institute of Holistic Theology. The number is 1-800-650-4325. In this moment, visit AIHT.edu. All my love. What can you tell me about SkillsUSA? SkillsUSA teaches you employability skills. So you know how to deal with people, you have teamwork, your resume is going to look awesome. Well, it's important to know your technical skills, but not only that, to have soft skills, the skills of learning how to communicate with people. On the web at skillsusa.org. Media for a transforming world. Seventh Wave Network. You're listening to Authentic Living with Andrea Matthews. We want to hear from you. If you have a question or comment about today's show, call in now, toll free, 1 866 472 5795. That's 1 866 472 5795. You can also send your questions or comments by email to Andrea at andreamatthewslpc.com. Now, back to Authentic Living with Andrea Matthews. 
And we're back with Authentic Living, brought to you by the American Institute of Holistic Theology, a school intending to bring you the opportunity to fulfill your dreams, to help yourself and your world. And we're talking today to Nancy Nannies Ellis, who uh, is the author of several books, the last of which is I Am, A Book of Awakening, and um, wanted to talk a little bit more about, um, oh, before we go any further with that, I wanted to say to our listeners, please, uh, feel free to call in or email me at Andrea at AndreaMatthewsLPC.com. I am on my email right now and can receive your email and can ask your questions to Nanise. And you can also call in to Nanise now for an intuitive reading. So while we're asking our listeners to call in for that, I'd like to ask you about your intuitive readings. How does that happen for you? What, what, what is an intuitive reading for you and, and how, do your, uh, how do your clients uh, participate in that? Well, whenever I work with somebody, it's, it's intuitive. So what that means is that I'm, I'm a clear vessel and have removed you know, my, my filters and you know, whatever's going on for, for me and my experience, and I just let a divine force of divine guidance come through. I, I don't work directly with angels or guides. I go to divine source uh, because, like people, even angels and guides can have filters. So, and through the divine force, so, through the divine source, through the divine force, information is given to me often in metaphors and sometimes in words and symbols and all sorts of things. And I interpret that and give that to the recipient of the reading and um, help help them to understand what that really means and to get the best gifts out of that. So it's really it's really fun and exciting, and I feel very um, very gifted and. By being able to share that, it's a joyous experience, isn't it? On it really is. Of it. Yeah, it really is. Absolutely. Yeah. Well, you know, um, one of the things you said just there—metaphors and symbols—I really think that's one of the ways that we get a lot of information from the yeah. divine, be it through whatever source that comes from. How it's all connected to the divine. So we, you know, it, it, that information comes to us when we get a dream. It's through mm-hmm. symbols. When we get um, a vision, it's often metaphorical. If we get a life information, yes. an event, a challenge in our lives, very often metaphorical. Mm-hmm. And uh, those metaphors can be extremely useful if we if we look at them and try to um, understand them from the perspective of, okay, what is, this, what is this particular event or this challenge trying to say to me metaphorically? Right, absolutely. Your entire life is a metaphor. Everything that's happening in your life is a metaphor. Any little part of your life is a metaphor. I can walk into your bathroom or look at your desk and look at it as a metaphor, information for you about what's really going on inside of you. There's nothing really happening outside that you're not creating from a subconscious level. It's like your life and every part of your life is the projector screen and your subconscious mind is the projector. The purpose of life in this context is simply to tell us what's going on in our subconscious to give us feedback so that we can change the things we don't like and enhance the things that we do. Right, right, absolutely. And yeah, and those and when we do that, we we go to that automatically when we start looking at the met life as a metaphor or the events mm-hmm. or the circumstances of our lives as metaphors. We immediately go to that much more authentic level, to the deeper levels that you were talking about. That is down below all the filters, all the good and evil, and all the dark places, and all the you know yes. what we call negative feelings and all of that. That it takes us to the divine, and and we begin to really hear. Oh, I see. That's what that metaphor is for. Mm-hmm. That's what it's trying to tell me. I get it, and it gives yes. us guidance. Yes, exactly. 
exactly. You know, it's, it's, it's easier to pay attention to the metaphors in life when they, when they come in, you know, uh, cycles or repeat patterns, like ending up with the same person in relationship after relationship or something that happens, you know, uh, the same type of situation happens within a few days. It's easy to pay attention to those. It's a little more challenging to look at your whole life as a metaphor when you can step back and you can look at your whole life as a metaphor as feedback for what's really going on. That gives you a whole other level of power to create what you want to create and change what you want to change. Absolutely. Yeah. And so power, let's talk about that. That's one of those words that can be used in a good way and a bad way. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, we tend to think of it, we're a little bit scared of it and because we're afraid that others will think we're trying to take power and control, and mm-hmm. we, so we sort of renege on our own abilities right. there. So talk to me about uh, our infinite power. What does yeah. that mean? Well, I like what you just said about, you know, we're afraid to use our power because we're afraid of how others, you know, might take it or that we're going to have power over them. If we are trying to have control over anybody, if we are trying to control anyone or even control anything, we are really not tapping into our power. What we're really tapping into is a sense of powerlessness or unworthiness. When we really sit in our power, when we really know our intrinsic power, there's no need to control anyone else and there's no need to control anything. Very well said. I, I mean, I really want to reiterate that. When we are plugging into our, um, that sense of controlling other people or trying to control something in our lives, what we're doing is tapping into our powerlessness. Yes. So or, the, or, or unplugging from our power. So, okay. it's, you know, it's like electricity. Electricity, from what I understand, is all I know about electricity, and it's that it's it's always flowing. So when you walk into a room and the 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 lights are on, it means the electricity is flowing freely. When you flick the light switch off, what you're really doing is you're creating a barrier to stop the electricity from flowing. So it's the same with our intrinsic power, and it's the same with our divine force or uh, source flowing through us, which is one and the same. So it's naturally always flowing, but we do things in our lives that turn it off, that create a disconnect so it's not flowing. And if we can understand what those things are and we can shift those things, then what happens is that power normally flows. Right, right, right. So... In other words, we're just, we're, we're just being in ourselves when we let go of trying to control. Right, right. Okay. Right. Okay, so what, kind of, what does that power give us then? When we can let go and just sort of be in that sense of ourselves, what, what does that give us in terms of power? It doesn't give us control over other people and other, other circumstances. What good is it? <laughs> <laughs> I know a lot of people are thinking, that, well, if I can't control my kids, what good is it? <laughs> right, right, right. So well, what does it do for us? Well, let's look at how it feels first when we are controlling. So I invite everybody to think of a situation in their life that they're trying to control, and it might be with your kids, and it might be something at work or with your spouse or your mom or, you know, money or whatever. So think of an area that you're trying to control right now. And when you think of that, I'm going to guess that you feel maybe tight or stressed or just not very good, more closed than expansive. Would, would, would you agree with that, Andrea? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. It creates some tension. It creates tension. Thank you. Okay, so the tension is, is that same thing as when you flick the light off, the, the, the part that stops the flow. So that's the tension. Okay, so, so we know that when we feel tension and we, when we control something or try to control something and we feel tension that our power is switched off. So 
we know that that's not really power. We know that control is not really power. Now, what happens when you let go and you just let people be who they are? You just let your kids be who they are. You let your mother be who you are. You let even your finances be what they are. Now, now a lot of people are thinking, what? And they're holding on even tighter. They feel even more tension now. Just play with me a moment. (laughs) So let's go a little further. What happens is that you begin to loosen up. That tension begins to loosen up. And when the tension begins to loosen up, your power, your divine power begins to flow more. And so in those areas that you once were cut off from your power because you were trying to control things, suddenly you have power flowing to and through. From this place, you begin to discover more of who you are. You begin to sit more comfortably within yourself, as I would say. You begin to settle in. And in that release and in that settling in of self, an amazing thing happens. Suddenly you start feeling full. Suddenly you start feeling complete. Suddenly you start feeling the life is good and there's really nothing to change and no one to change. And just being alive and being able to breathe is a joyful and joyous experience. And from that place, we get to reevaluate our lives. We get to look at our lives and instead of trying to control things, we begin to see that everything that's happening in our life from our rebellious teenagers to our controlling mom or our lack of abundance is really just giving us a message about what's going on inside of us. And so instead of blaming the outside world, instead of trying to control the outside world, which is really ridiculous if you think about it, we get to use that as feedback. We get to say, oh, that's simply the projector screen and the projector that's creating all that is inside of me. And then I get to look inside myself and I get to say, how is it that I'm doing this to myself? Where or how in my life do I not feel worthy? Where do I feel that I should be doing something different? Where am I being hard on myself? And by looking within yourself and changing those patterns within yourself, what happens is your outside world starts changing. Most of the time, people think that if they change the outside world, their life will change permanently. But what really happens, the greater truth, is that we can't change the outside world. It's impossible. And if we look at our lives, we know that this is true, because how many of us just try to change our lives over and over again, only to wind up in the same old situation, experience, or paradigm? It doesn't work. The answer is within us. We change subconscious programs within us. The old disempowering beliefs and stories, we change those within us to become empowering, positive, powerful stories that support the life we want. And by doing that, then our lives change on the outside. Mm-hmm. That's the magic. That's true manifesting. That's what the secret never told you. It's all inside. Yep. Couldn't agree more. Well said. Thank you. All right, we'll be back in just a moment with more from Anise Ellis on I Am, A Book of Awakening. Awakened Media for a Transforming World. Seventh Wave Network. Over there, over there's the water. Whoosh, whoosh. And look at all this stuff I'm standing on. 
It's called sand, and it's everywhere. This woman may sound silly to you and me. It's made up of little tiny pieces of rocks. Teeny little pieces of rocks. But to her two-year-old son exploring the world around him, <laughs> she makes perfect sense. How does it feel when you touch the sand? Is it warm? Uh-huh. It's hard to hold in your hand, isn't it? Uh-huh. Learning starts long before school does, and children are naturally curious. They want to learn, so follow their lead. Take simple, everyday moments, like sorting laundry or playing on the beach, and turn them into learning moments. Is this water? No. Very good. This is sand. Oh, <laughs> no, no, it's not food. It's sand. We don't eat sand. <laughs> Turn everyday moments into learning moments. Find out how at bornlearning.org. Brought to you by United Way and the Ad Council. I begin each day with an intention to be open to guidance, to expect guidance, to trust and appreciate when guidance comes. With these intentions, each day is easier to navigate. Hi, I'm Sonia Choquette. When I decided to trust my guidance and further my education, I chose the American Institute of Holistic Theology, A-I-H-T. with a soulful pathway to deep learning. In my own home, on my own schedule, I earned my Ph.D. in metaphysics. You know, the value of wisdom only grows, and in developing our own gifts, we can help others evolve, too. That's how it works. These self-paced programs in holistic health, metaphysics, holistic ministries, parapsychic science, and holistic theology can embolden your spirit to change the world. And the time has come for us all to do our part in changing the world. So in this moment, call the American Institute of Holistic Theology. The number is 1-800-650-4325. In this moment, visit... A-I-H-T dot E-D-U. All my love. America is facing a skilled workforce shortage. SkillsUSA can help. What is SkillsUSA? SkillsUSA is life-changing. SkillsUSA is awesome. SkillsUSA is one of the biggest opportunities life can give you. SkillsUSA is amazing. SkillsUSA is motivating. SkillsUSA specifically prepares you for the workforce. SkillsUSA empowers students to connect with a network of people, starting with their classmates, to their advisors, to other people in their states. SkillsUSA allows students to connect with business and industry, to manage their education, and to really get a feel of the real world. I'm doing something now that's going to be applicable in the real world, and those skills are going to be useful today in school and in five years when I'm working and for the rest of my life. On the web at skillsusa.org. Taking you to the threshold of a dream and beyond. Seventh Wave Network. You're listening to Authentic Living with Andrea Matthews. We want to hear from you. If you have a question or comment about today's show, call in now, toll free, 1-866-472-5795. That's 1-866-472-5795. You can also send your questions or comments by email to Andrea at andreamatthewslpc.com. Now, back to Authentic Living with Andrea Matthews. 
And we're back with the final segment of our show, talking today with Nanise Ellis, author of several books, her latest, I Am, A Book of Awakening. And uh, I want to just give you an opportunity, Nanise, now to tell our listeners about how they can get in touch with you and the services that you provide and anything else that you'd like to let them know about. Awesome. Well, you can reach me on my website at nanice.com. That's N-A-N-I-C-E.com or N-A-Nice.com. And everything's there. My website, it's designed for your awakening. So it's like traveling through a porthole to a higher consciousness and a sense of enlightenment and to what you really want in your life. Um, there's many, many things on my website. I have two free sound down, song downloads. I have um, the I Am book, which is a free download right now. So definitely take that opportunity. I also have many, many articles. Um, some of the articles that you might be interested in are Finding Love in All the Right Places is about pure love or the courage to be the real you. There's many articles on faith and love and enlightenment and um, money and abundance and all sorts of things. It's just uh, it's a treasure house of information, as well as all my, my shows, Chai with Nanise. Every show is archived there, and you can download them for free. And you can also find the pledge there. And the pledge is the way that you can be the transformation that you want to see happen in the world. And it's an amazing experience, so definitely check out the pledge, and the link is on the home page. And you can email me from there, too. Let me, let me know how I can help. And um, I'm also available for retreats and workshops all over the country and even all over the world. So um, just contact me, and we'll create something amazing together. <laughs> Wonderful. Thank you so much for sharing that with our listeners. I hope you guys out there were writing all that down because uh, I think Nanny's has got a really cool way of being able to explain these really profound and difficult topics to us so that we can go, oh, aha, and have that moment that we can go, I get that. And uh, so I hope that you will follow up on that. Um, you said you had a story about your yes. son to, to tell us, and I want to hear that. Yes, yes. So, you know, a lot of people, I'm sure after you know listening to the segment, I would imagine that a lot of people are thinking, oh, you know, it's really hard not to, you know, want people to do things a certain way, and they're causing problems for me, and, you know, all that. And, that, and that's normal, neighbor, normal behavior. Well, I had an experience about a year ago, right around this time, with my then 13-year-old son that totally transformed the way that I thought about relationships. Up until that point, I had harmonious relationships with everybody in my life because I worked at it for a long time, except my mom. My mom and I had some real huge challenges, and no matter what I did, we were always ending up in this disharmonic, if that's a word, space. Well, my son at that time, he had gotten his first girlfriend and was, you know, excited about that, and she didn't treat him very well. And one day I was driving him to school, and I was giving him this talk, and the talk was, you know, Travis, you know, no one has to treat you like that, and you can set boundaries, and this is what the boundary, this is how you do it, and I'm going on and on, and, and I know he's listening to me, but he's not saying anything, and I turned and I looked at him, and all of a sudden I got in an instant, and I said, you don't care how she talks to you, you don't care how she treats you, and he laughed, he burst out laughing, he said, Mom, why would I care how she treats me? That's none of my business. Wow. And I looked at him, and in that instant, I got it. He was absolutely right. How people treat us, that's none of our business. It's their business. He went on to say, Mom, if I don't like how she treats me or how she talks with me, I can choose not to be with her. But I'm just going to let her be her until, you know, I don't want to be around her anymore. But how she acts, that's her business. It's none of my business. 
And I took that advice and I applied that to the, my relationship with my mother and instantly changed. It instantly changed because I realized that whatever my mother said to me or however she acted, that really wasn't any of my business. My only business was how I responded or how I felt. When we can take that concept and apply it to our lives and to our relationships, we let go of this need to control. And without that need to control, our sense of intrinsic power sinks into us, integrates with us, and we truly do become the powerful beings that we really are. And that's when life changes. And that's when the miracles and magic and synchronicities that we're all looking for begin to reveal themselves in the most amazing ways. Right. And I can hear some of our listeners out there going, yeah, but you don't understand, nannies. They just do all this, and I've got to get them to understand this and that and the other. Mm-hmm. And if, they could, if I could get them to understand, then everything would be okay. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. That's what we typically do. But what you're saying is when we can let go of that and just let somebody else do whatever they're going to do, yeah. Because we can't stop them anyway. We, we can't. We know that already. That's right. And, and so what to do about them? And my answer is this. Be the change you want to see in them. So whatever it is that you want them to do, you be that change. Because you're really not talking to anyone else but yourself anyway. If you have a judgment about another person, it's really about yourself. So it's like saying, that person shouldn't talk bad about anyone else. Well, what do you think you're doing? You're not talking to anyone else but yourself. So instead of trying to change the world, instead of trying to change your child, your mother, your spouse, be the change that you want to see in them, and then everything changes. Absolutely. Very well put. Very well put. And that's one of your books as well, uh, How to Be the Change You Want to See in the World, Lip, lip Prints. Lip Prints, yes. Yeah. You know, I, I I really think that that's one of the key relationship points, and, and it's so difficult for us to understand, and I, I, there's not a single time that I'm dealing with a client in some capacity that I don't run across that issue. It is just, just we're just eat up with it, <laughs> that, that whole idea that I'm supposed to get them to see, I'm supposed to get them to understand, I'm supposed to get them to do something, and A, we can't, and B, if we... It, you know, if we could, we'd still, be, like you said, just be talking to ourselves. Well, and I, mean, I literally mean talking, so I don't mean just like that they're not listening. I mean literally, because if we're thinking, if we're observing something in someone else, it's, and we're thinking, oh, they should do this, or they should be this, it's really our subconscious mind's projecting it out into the world, that person or people are showing up with it. But it's really just a projection of what's going on inside of us. So if I think that somebody should be more responsible... What's really happening is my subconscious mind is telling me that I need to look at my own responsibility issues. Exactly, exactly. And, that's, and so we look at that, and we, that's how we get the power. That's how we get the power. It's not about anybody else. It's about us. If you don't like what someone else is doing, it's really just feedback for what's going on deep inside yourself. Use the feedback. Make the changes within yourself without blaming anyone else or even shaming or blaming yourself. No judgment involved here. Shift what you don't like inside yourself. You don't like something in someone else? Shift it inside yourself, and guess what? The world outside of you, including the people in your life, will shift too without you trying to control them. Great message, Nannies. Thank you so much for being here with our listeners today. And next week, tune in. We're going to be talking to Trish Bishop on the question journey. And remember, your job, should you choose to accept it, is to give birth to yourself.
Thanks again for listening to Authentic Living with Andrea Matthews. Join us again next Wednesday afternoon at 1 p.m. Pacific, 4 p.m. Eastern Time here on the 7th Wave Network. We'll talk again next week. Thanks again for listening to the preceding program brought to you on the 7th Wave Network. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit 7thWaveNetwork.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit VoiceAmerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the preceding program are strictly those of the hosts or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management.